The club season is done. Finished finito, ladies and gentlemen. But there is so much more to come this summer. Welcome to BR Football Ranks. Let's lift the lid on a summer of the sport. So sit back, relax, prepare to be taught. There's a Copper America, Gold Cup, all the football. And the Women's World Cup is the pick of them all. And if that isn't enough of a reason, remember that it's also transfer season. We'll be here with insider Dean Jones, picking through all of the rumours and bones to let you know what's true and what's not in the ever-simmering transfer pot. And back with a bang, no word of a lie, it's the rank god himself, the big man, Sam Tai, to let you know which players are on song in the Under-20 World Cup or the games in Toulon. My name's Jack Collins and I'll be your host today. It's time for Hot Takes. Sam, take it away. Sambot reporting for duty. <laughs> My hot take today is, in light of Saturday's result in Madrid, Liverpool had a better season than Manchester City. Sorry. Sorry, the studio's on fire. What do you think? I, I completely disagree. I think Man City won a treble. <laughs> quadruple, sorry. Quadruple, yeah, if you count the community. <laughs> don't do that. The don't fake quadruple. It, don't call it the quadruple. They did win a domestic treble. Well done to them. I they would... proved themselves to be a better team by Liverpool by finishing ahead of them. So I think I didn't say they were the better team, they had a better season. Better I think the Champions well. League is so important nowadays. It is such a yardstick that if you put together a Premier League season like like Liverpool did, where they were unbelievable and yeah. lost just one game, and combine that with the ultimate, the Champions League victory, I think that constitutes a better season. There are so many teams around Europe right now who are obsessed with the Champions League. Barcelona, PSG, Juventus are, to, are three of them, but really everybody wants to win it. It's the biggest prize. You can see managers being fired literally because they didn't manage to do what they needed to yeah, do yeah. in the yeah. Champions League. You see talk of Ernesto Valverde, you know, Barca's manager. Talk, they talk about him being fired even if, even if he'd won the double in, in La Liga and the Copa del Rey. That's how unimportant domestic successes right now in the global game. And that's how, how crucial the Champions League win is. Now, if Liverpool had finished like 20 points off the pace of City and won the Champions League, I wouldn't be sat here saying this. But just because they didn't win the Premier League doesn't mean they didn't have an unbelievable season. Yeah. And when you combine that with the biggest prize in domestic football, to me, that equates to the, a better season than City's. So two questions. Two questions. Go. One, do you think Spurs had a better season than Chelsea? Yes. Because they got to a Champions League final. Yes, I think they had a better season but than Chelsea. But Chelsea won silverware, got to a League Cup final and came above them in the league. No, they didn't have a better season. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is, the, this is the balance. This is a really I think tough Spurs question. did have a better season. See, I don't. I think Chelsea had a better season than Spurs. I think if you'd offered that season to Spurs fans, they probably would have taken it. No, Spurs fans would have taken being in a Champions League final. Do you reckon they would? Yeah, Ahead of an they, actual trophy? Again, this is this is so this, <laughs> this is the disc, this is also the, the Tottenham fans are also kind of confused about this too. Yeah, like, yeah, they're, a, they're sort of really proud. So difficult. They're really proud about what they've done, but they're also a bit like. Uh, I don't know. The main reason I disagree with you is because I think that domestic success, a domestic league success is the yardstick by which anyone should be measured because I think that knockout competitions are so hit and miss. Yeah, free hit. Well, Liverpool would have done anything for that league title. They, the, the one thing that's incontrovertible is that Man City and Liverpool would swap trophy. Yeah, I, I think, think they would, yeah. I think that one's... I think they would swap it. Yeah, I, I think I agree. They would I agree absolutely swap that. it. Um, but that, that, kind of, that argument works both ways. Yes, doesn't it? It exactly. Doesn't, it doesn't exactly I don't think work. that doesn't matter. It doesn't work for one and not the other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, kind of, it kind of works for both. Um, you say domestic football is how it should be measured. Yeah. I agree. It's not how it is measured. No, okay, that's fair enough. So that's, that's where I'm coming from. I'll tell you what's interesting, though, is the fact that what, what Liverpool have now set up to do as an account of winning the Champions League, I think they could probably look at themselves in perhaps the best situation 
in European football to now dominate for like at least five years, yeah. possibly ten, because you've got there a manager in Klopp, Guardiola's hanging around for probably one more season at max. I see him two more seasons at Man yeah. City. Klopp, I don't see him actually going anywhere else in the next five years. I don't see where else he would go. So Klopp's got an opportunity here to build Liverpool, actually build a dynasty. And at some point, Man City are going to become unsettled when Pep goes. So that's their chance to take hold of English football. There's no club right now that looks in a good position to challenge them for that. No, because there's, and, there's three clubs in disarray in the top six. Exactly. Right? And then you look abroad at the, the, the big clubs there and you're thinking, well, Barcelona, of course, they're going to be there or thereabouts. But there's always going to be the debate about Messi in decline. Ronaldo's now going to be in decline as we get through the years, it has to happen at some point. And Liverpool are only becoming bigger and bigger. And you look at Real Madrid and they're in the middle of a rebuild. So this is an unbelievable time for Liverpool. And I actually think they they aren't planning, as we understand, to make any big signings this summer. No. I think they should. I think that this is the time to absolutely capitalise on this moment and not rock the boat by making like huge... Two, well, they don't need to. Like they they do two. need to. They need they like one dominate, or two players, You maybe. have to have a real, real in-depth squad because you start to lose players as soon as the transfer window closes. Say somebody significant gets injured, well, straight away you're falling off the pace. Like You can't afford for it to happen. Make yeah. the most of it. You want a, Liverpool need a couple of versatile players that can do jobs in different yeah. areas but are quality, quality, quality operators. Totally. I think someone like Julian Brandt obviously has already signed for, for yeah. Dortmund would have been a perfect signing. Someone of someone that like quality. That calibre. Memphis Depay right now Memphis is, is, is Depay a name is a good that really shout. interests me as like a Liverpool player, a potential Liverpool player because he can do three different roles. That's what I mean. He's very good now. Like. He is good, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those. I think, I think kind of interestingly and in how I suppose is best to look at this in, in some regards is how will history judge this season? You know, where are we going to be looking back in five years time and looking back and saying who who's going down in the history as, oh, they had an amazing 2018 or 1780 or 2018, 19. You know, they had because it's, it's both. Yeah. It's, it's, but it's, I think, who would you look both? back on as the maybe, team of the year almost? But maybe the, the, the question actually lies in the future. I was thinking about this because if City win a third title on the bounce next year, yeah. then suddenly this, this win becomes even more important. I yeah. think if that happens, then it kind of shuttles Liverpool off to the side a little bit, yeah. especially if they don't win back-to-back Champions Leagues. Mm. But if Liverpool win it next year... But if Liverpool win it, then maybe you look at this as the springboard, which actually led to the ending of, of a dominant period, but also the break of their own kind of Premier League curse. And then suddenly you're into a different... So maybe the answer is we don't actually know <laughs> until the end of next season. Also, one, one for you as well, not to de- uh, take it down a different route, but like, say, for example, Virgil van Dijk was given the Ballon d'Or based on this season. Would that swing it even further? Because he'd be the, the man to break the Messi-Ronaldo dominance associated with the season in which Liverpool Modric won the won Champions League. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, um, but first defender in how long? Yeah, yeah, to, yeah, how yeah. to do it? Since um, Cannavaro, right? Since Cannavaro, would, would that also be a, a factor in swinging it around? Like, yeah, it maybe could, it could be. Yeah, I, I think that's a very valid. All point. right, well, we'll sit on this for a year. I, I think we'll have to revisit this in <laughs> June, take that. June 2020. Unfortunately, um, Dean, I'm going to throw it to you. What's your hot take this week? My hot take is that rank squad legend Luka Jovic, yes. as as predicted by this show, podcast, yeah. has signed for Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. He is a more exciting signing than the potential arrival of Eden Hazard at Real Madrid. For Real Madrid fans or just in general? Um, in general. Okay. This, this is going to have more impact on this team than the arrival of Hazard will. Now, of course, Hazard's going to make bigger headlines. The, the fee is eventually going to be huge. All the whole storyline around it. And every week he plays, it'll all be about Eden Hazard. But Jovic is going to give this team something 
they haven't had for quite a while, to be honest, and they are severely lacking. He's going to make a huge impact and transform this team because not only is he going to lift the pressure off of Benzema, there's literally nobody else that can score goals as instinctively as Luka Jovic is capable of doing. Now, of course, a lot of that is going to come from the fact that he is going to probably get to play in the same team as Eden Hazard. Like Those two are going to feed off each other unbelievably well. But Real Madrid already have players like Eden Hazard. They already have Gareth Bale. They have Isco. They have Asensio. They have Vinicius Jr. None like, of these players are as good as Hazard, right, mind? I mean, they are. Like, Gareth Bale is as good as Eden Hazard. At the moment. No, exactly. But they, they, all, they all should, you know... They can all should tee up the yeah, same no, amount of chances yeah. and score goals if they all play at their full potential. They're all in the same tier. Yeah. So I just think Luka Jovic is, a, is actually a complete game changer for Real Madrid in a completely different sense to the way that Hazard is. Hazard's obviously the Galactico signing. Yeah. For me, Jovic is the more exciting signing. Sam, in some ways, it's a little bit reminiscent of when they signed Benzema in some regards in that it was obviously a big signing, but not the one that blew the doors off. It, it was... A signing. They it was were like, like 10, 11 good. years ago. 10, 11 years ago. And they thought <laughs> that this guy will score goals and he consistently scored goals. Yeah. And we've brought this up on the podcast before for Real Madrid. Do you see the kind of style of Real Madrid changing? Is he going to play alongside Benzema or, or are they going to kind of stick with this 4-3-3, do you think? Um, well, under Zidane, <laughs> the last time when they were <laughs> successful, they played a lot more two up top than your sort of cursory glance into the memory banks really, really lets you know. So, they played quite a lot of diamond, even in the latter stage Champions League games, and often just used a 4-4-2, a flat 4-4-2. And they just used Ronaldo and Benzema up front. And Ronaldo was essentially just like a poacher. Just like, just finish them, just finish things. And Benzema would try and float around and create and link with the midfield. And it would become something slightly different maybe in build-up. But they played with two forwards in the box. And they can go back to that now. Because right now they can't play with two forwards in yep. the box at all times. And Jovic is a penalty box killer. He is a poacher in the same way that Ronaldo was. He's like the same ice cold finisher. He's not as tall and he's not as good at heading the ball. But he's better at other things. He's only 21. Yeah. He's not crazy. quite on that level yet. I don't no, know. what Ronaldo's level? Yeah. Of course not. No, but I mean, but I mean, stylistically, if you're looking, oh, for, yeah, if you're looking, if you're profiling Ronaldo, go right. Well, I need someone else who's ice yeah. cold in the box. What can I do? Who can I buy? Jovic shoots right to the top of the list, particularly if he's 21 years of age, and it looks like he's going to cost like he's cost about 52 million pounds more or less. Like that's a bit less than I thought it would. To be fair, I was, I was yeah. I mean, there probably be add-ons on that. But um, how many goals do you think he'll score? I mean, he's going to get. 20. I'm, yeah, I went 25. 20. 20 was the post I went. I mean, above that, it all depends. We don't uh, we don't know exactly what system is going to be employed and whether he is going to be a regular starter straight from the off or not, or whether they're going to give him some time to settle into playing for such a big club. But he'll get at least 20 goals, won't he? I think so, That's yeah. It's hugely significant at a time when they are in such a mess. Well, when, especially when they went through so many droughts this year of just not being able to totally. put the ball in the back of the net. And, and obviously that period in March where only Benzema only was Benzema. scoring goals. It, it's, it must be a relief. Obviously, it's competition for him. You, you know, you do look at it and go, as a younger striker coming in who kind of fits the mould, he must yeah. be like, oh, a little bit wary. But... Barcelona won't be. Barcelona will be concerned about this. I mean, we talked before about how they were interested in him as well, and it was so crucial that Madrid were the ones that got him in order to make themselves competitive over the next few years. Absolutely, because there's going to be a stage coming up where Barcelona also have to have a reshuffle up front, and um, Madrid have just got the edge on them on this one. Not, not that they didn't need him, because they obviously do, and I love the signing. But is there an element sometimes of like a club signing a player so another club can't have him? And do you think this? Hap- do you think this happened here? I think it's probably a bit of both. As we said, like, it's un- inconceivable that he could have gone to Barcelona because Madrid would have just fallen so far behind. 
because they they wouldn't have found someone like this that can score mm. every sort of goal. And get, at this fee, it's, fee's not bad at all. It's like this bad. is a decent amount of money to pay for this player. Um, how much of how much of uh, Frankfurt made on the flip? Yeah, what did they sign him for? Seven million. Seven million. Seven so they've made forty-five million in three months, at least. Yeah, minimum. At that's least. good. That's good progress. Let's yeah. see what Real Betis make on Giovanni Lo Celso and compare it at the end of the summer. <laughs> that could be. That could be a serious one as well. Yeah. All right. Well, we actually did talk about Giovanni Lo Celso in this week's poll. He was one of three options to talk about who you wanted to discuss in terms of players linked away from their current clubs. He didn't win though. He he came second, and the winning person was Adrian Rabio, who's contract is up at PSG mm-hmm. he's potentially a free agent he's kind of a former footballer at this stage he hasn't played for so <laughs> I don't long. think he's played football in at least six months he played probably this year. longer yeah Dean where's he off to what, what's the latest well I mean Rabiot obviously got in a bit of a contract spat at PSG and, and wanted certain terms and PSG were like nope you're not having it. And we haven't seen him since. Now, back in January, it looked very much like Rabiot would be joining Barcelona. Um, we're looking at sort of 10 million a year wages. It all looks like that was falling into place. And that has now hit the curb. And does why? Not... Do we, do we well, know why? Well, it's like for a start, right? Yeah. I mean, but they could still probably do with the third person in that midfield, given the fact that Arthur is one. Well, you've Young got to take into another. account wages Rakitic, as well. Rakitic, Biscuits, Alenia. You know, the wage bill. Ricky Puig. He wanted such big terms as well they have to consider how much they're paying all of these players, especially if they're not all in the team. So suddenly, for me, Rabiot's in a situation where he might not hit the market he thought he was going to get. All top six clubs in England looked at him and have thought about it, which you have to in this situation. He's a free agent. You have to look at a player of this quality when they're available for free and take into account how much you're going to have to pay them in wait. Look at Aaron Ramsey going to Juventus. It's the same situation pretty much. But Liverpool don't seem to be that interested in him right now. He doesn't seem like the kind of character that Klopp would would be mildly interested in. Exactly that. Man City fallen off the radar. So suddenly you're left with United, Tottenham, Arsenal still in the mix. And you're even getting him linked to Real Betis now. Now, when he first started pushing for these terms and stuff and thinking he was going to end up at Barcelona... Suddenly, six months down the line, you're being linked with Real Betis and Man United. Careful, and you're thinking, you're not getting Champions League football suddenly anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, Tot- not even, you're not even getting Europa League football. No, well, Tottenham's Betis. basically the best he can hope for right now by the look of things, which obviously would be a good move. But that seems like a lot of wages for Levy. Like, Levy well, that's the other thing, isn't it? Like, I'm not sure that. if I can see Tottenham committing to a contract like the one he was hoping for. Especially, especially given that they don't pay their own you know, talisman, that kind of wage. Yeah, you look at what Kane's had to do to prove that he's worthy of these kind of wages and Hugo Lloris, like the top earners at their club have really had to prove themselves. And the character of Rabiot, I'm not sure what you would think of that signing because that's something that's looked looked in players right now. It's not just what they can do on the pitch, it's what they're like around the dressing room, around the squad. Will they unsettle you? If I was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, there's absolutely no You'd way go nowhere near I'll be touching a player like this. No, this is absolutely. the problem. Rabio has never, ever let PSG down on the pitch. Never. You rate him very He's, highly. He is you? brilliant. I'd basically forgotten he existed until uh, he won the poll. Yeah. And then here we are again. And I've, re- I've just, it's reminded me that, like, you know, watching him was genuinely, it's, it's a great experience. It's the way he sweeps around across He's the He's a pitch. lovely footballer. He's such a powerful guy. 
He's a press-resistant central midfielder with technical skills, with passing skills and with strength. Like, there's so much to like about Adrian Rabiot. And if he hadn't have got entered this contract dispute with PSG, he'd still be playing for their first team. That, yeah. is, that is his level. He's just kind of messed this up a bit, I think. And character concerns, yes. His mother acts as his agent and there have been a couple of uh, reports in the press about how she's, she can be quite unsavoury to deal with at times. I don't know what, quite what to make of it, but the consensus seems to be that he's a difficult man to work yeah, with. Of course. So there are certain clubs like Manchester United who really can't afford to go anywhere near that because they have enough problems themselves. I think this is basically a high-tier case of your Max Meyer, who yes. Came, yes, yes. came away from Schalke last season on a free thinking... I'm in the money here. And he ended up on the bench at Crystal Palace. Now, I don't think it's going to go quite as badly for Rabiot, <laughs> but it's amazing how these players spectacularly misjudge their scenario. And Griezmann is in danger of doing, doing the, same the same thing. Yeah. What about uh, a Real Madrid? Could, you know, they, they'd be able to afford the wages. He is a player that would probably start for them, especially we've talked about Kroos maybe leaving this summer because he's kind of... Yeah, Rabiot can, could do that role. They're being linked with Pogba, they're being linked with Ericsson, they're clearly looking for a, a midfield figure. Once they've got, you know, their, their two main priorities were getting Jovic and, and Hazard through the door. Like, that's always been the first two signings they wanted to confirm. And now that one's done, one's on, on the way to being finalised, it makes sense. It would I mean, make sense, wouldn't it? The fact there's no fee is... That's that's such a huge thing. They are Real Madrid. Solved another one of your transfer <laughs> problems we have. There we are. Uh, we'll take that off Paris. next week. Take that off. Where we'll be expecting our check in the post. Right. <laughs> that is all for this week's Hot Takes. We'll be back after the break with the wonderful Joanna Kamenu to talk about the Women's World Cup and the reasons why you should be hyped for the tournament beginning on Friday. Welcome back to BR Football Ranks. I am delighted to welcome our very own Joanna Kamenu to the Rank Squad to the studio. Jojo, it's, it's so good to have you here. How are you? It's great to be here. How are you guys doing? Yeah, good. Welcome, good. Jo. Excited. Welcome. Excited to learn. You're going to talk to us about the Women's World Cup in France, obviously, starting at the end of this week and why we should be hyped about it. So I'm going to basically throw it to you and, and you can start us off and we'll go from there. Teach us, Joe. Teach us. Reason number one. Hit us. <laughs> to start off, it's... It's a World Cup, so we should all be hyped for it. Um, it's it's hosted in France, and as we know what happened last year, there's there'll be a lot of excitement around the team. Uh, the sticker albums are out. You can put your bets on. It's everyone should be hyped about Office this. It's, it's going it's going to be huge. There's there's a lot of there's it, it's not com- a complete sellout by by any means yet, but. It's it's going to be one of the most highly attended women's World Cups, and we should be hyped about. Also, it. just from home, like wall to wall football, like what more can you really ask for? Yeah, okay. like three games a day is what I live for. Yeah. <laughs> so the seasons ended, club seasons ended. Let's let's go on with the World Cup. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean there's so much to be excited for in, in a general kind of sense, but ultimately, this is the pinnacle of the sport, right? This is the one that every player wants to win. This is the, you know, the the very peak of the game. Everyone wants to win it. It's got the best players from all over the world. And and it's it's really exciting watching the send-offs, watching everyone from around the world getting hyped for it. I think I think we should all be ready. 
Excellent. Well, let's uh, let's keep rolling. But it's a World Cup seems like a good place to start. <laughs> Where do you go from there? Where there's, do you go from? There's, it's there's a no World other Cup. reason why we should be watching it. I mean, I should I should leave now because that's it. <laughs> it's we a World should, Cup. Just watch it. We should be hyped. But but I mean, moving on uh, the kits themselves. I think this is a really big year for for the women's tournament because it seems to be the first time where a huge launch has happened around the kits, and I think people are really excited about them if you haven't seen them some of them are awesome Nike did a kit launch in France which had had wide coverage and the France away kit is so nice that if you haven't seen it you've you been should, buzzing to say this you, you should go and have a look at it because it I would wear it what is it the what is it the white polka dot it's one? white and it's got polka dots on it and it's it's stunning uh, that one, is, yeah. and it is. I'll give you that. It really is stunning. I thought she was overhyping it when she talked to us about <laughs> it like yesterday when we were planning the show. And I looked it up, I was like, fair enough, that is actually really nice. <laughs> really lovely. I know Sam's got an eye on the Lioness's kit as well. Particularly the dark red one, the Away King, yeah. is so nice. But then flicking through them all, obviously putting aside the England thing, the China grey orange combo. Yeah, really I'm, nice. I'm wildly into it. And I never really thought orange and grey, like point blank, just didn't think that was going to work. They have designed a super nice kit there. Is this the first time, Joe? Is this the first time they've had like specific women's kits that they've used to just wear the same kit as the men? Yeah, I think I think for a Pretty long much time. Pretty much everyone. Yeah. yeah. This, this is this is the first time where it's been such a big deal and, and they've had official launches for pretty much everyone, yeah. barring a few teams. So it's really exciting. And also the Nigeria kit is back. Yeah. yeah. The only one that didn't oh. need a bespoke kit because it's the best kit of all time. Yeah, right? They're just gonna wear that kit forever for everyone. Yeah, they <laughs> should so just good. they should stop making new Imagine Nigeria. They never kit. made another Nigeria. We've kit. done it now. We've 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 made the Nigeria kit. It's over. We'll give them a trophy for it. Fine. A shout out to Australia, by the way. Everyone else is coming in really nice kits. They're dressed like Norwich City. Nice one. <laughs> is that something though that in general, I suppose the bespoke kits are kind of part of a bigger phenomenon, which is that this tournament feels like it's being given finally the kind of own coverage it deserves. You know, it's not a additional to a different tournament. It's not it's its own kind of thing and its own kind of beast. And it now finally feels like it's been given the due credit that it deserves as a World Cup. Yeah, I think people are definitely encouraged by what's been happening. People have supported the game for a long time. And also the the kits, as you say, it's just it's just one example of how people are excited for it. It was a really big thing. And also the kits reflect that. So a lot of the kits, I think Sweden's kit looks at people who they they look up to like they harks to certain inspirational females and the US kit as well. So I think there's a lot of using the kit to say we're here and this is what we're about. Yeah, mm. but you know, as part of that kind of thing, Nike have done so many big launches. We saw Times Square yeah. for, for the US WNT. You said earlier about the one in France for their kit. It all feels part of a bigger project. Yeah, especially and and there's there's certain videos which have been launched as well which are really inspirational uh, I think a lot of not just young girls be, will be really excited but I think a lot of young boys will look up to that the US team and um, we've we've interviewed some of the US players and and they have said that that the whole nation seems to be behind them it's not just just young girls who you typically imagine it's it's everyone. The whole nation's got behind them, and and so they should. Well, it's also they're you know serial winners, America, right? Yeah, like, it's easier to get behind. It's easy to it's support easy the to US get... WNT. No, like, oh yeah. I suppose if you are a young footballer in America, and you can either look up to a struggling men's team that didn't make the World Cup, or you can look at the world potential champ- the training yeah. world champions looking at going back to back, and who are genuinely at the pinnacle of the sport. 
It's obvious, isn't it? You you go for the they're, ones that are are inspirational. Absolutely, they're they're superstars. They they are genuine superstars. Right. What's what's next then? What's the what's the kind of third topic? I guess. Um, just the amazing stories. There are so many incredible stories surrounding this World Cup, and. First of all, the reggae girls from Jamaica, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to be so much fun to, to have around the tournament. That seems we to didn't be even a talk big about their thing, kit. Yeah. Their kit's wicked as well. Their kit's cool. It's their, it's their first tournament. They've got such an incredible backstory. Uh, just the short version of it is that Bob Marley's daughter actually saved this team a few years ago and now they're going to their first World Cup. Literally sounds like a movie. It, it, it could be. I was reading that. I was like, be. this is ridiculous. Like, this is actually real. It's a script. This. It's yeah, written it's so for perfect. you. Someone's just got to write it. We've, we've spoken about it a few times. It's, it's genuinely a, an incredible story. And, and they're not. They're not there just to, to play part. They've, they really, they really mean business. I mean, Khadija Shaw or Bunny, as she's known, she's she's got an incredible record. She's their striker, and and she could she could you never know be that person who propels them forward. Mm. But they, I'm not saying they they're going to reach the final, but they're there to play, yeah. and and they're going to bring a lot more. So and also the Chile team as well. So they. Uh, they were inactive a few years ago as a national team. And then in 2017, they played They played once more and saw a real kind of sweeping of support from the nation. And that is a, that's a country where it was an, it's an amateur, was amateur league. They couldn't play as professionals, but they, they fought and they created a players association. So Christine Endler, who is the goalkeeper of the team, and she's playing in the tournament this year. She she really was a driving force into getting them there and getting them recognised as players. And I was I was saying to Jack earlier, he was asking me what because I haven't always watched women's football, and she, he was asking what what got you into yeah. it, what made you interested and it's it's the it's stories like this it's that if all of us wanted to or could we would be professional players because if we were good if enough, we were good enough <laughs> yeah. yeah have to it's have big, to throw that caveat in there if we were good enough apart from that if we were good enough i just i just like the backing <laughs> but if we were good enough we could all be professional footballers but in certain countries it's still a fight to do so. And I just think it's incredible that that is part of the story of getting this World Cup. It's not just fighting for your place or fighting to, to be qualified for the tournament. It's fighting to be recognised. I just think it's incredible. Well, like, narratives like that are, are what drive the game, right? You, you look at, you know, all sorts of narratives across football, but the kind of rise from nothing to something is is something that always carries weight, that always inspires. And, and this is kind of, I suppose the preeminent example at this tournament. Yeah, there's like like more, like more obviously men, men's football examples. Like Renato Sanchez is like the perfect example of this sort of thing where he would walk so, like miles and miles and miles to training and like his story from that to European Golden Boy, something that people latch onto, yeah. something that people fall in love with. It happens across and it's it's definitely one of those things that we always appreciate for sure. Right, like the rags to riches, to, to coin a kind of yeah. phrase. It, it's not though, this is this is bigger than that yeah. because it's Renato club Sanchez and stuff, yeah. well, but that's not even that but like Renato Sanchez was good enough and therefore was a yeah he had to suffer and and go through what he went through but 
It was always possible. It was yeah, always yeah. plausible to get there. This was implausible, and now they're at a World Cup. That's even bigger as a narrative, I suppose, than, than the kind of ones we're used to, and that's yeah. got a stretch. Are they well. actually any good, Joe? What, what are these and they're, they're, they are they are good players. Really good. Yeah, I think I think when when I've been reading about it, when they've played that game in 2017, I think no one knew what to expect, but they had these players it's not as if they hadn't been playing it's just they had to work much harder to be able to play yeah so working other jobs or 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 just fighting to create the association the players association so there's there was so much before actually being able to Kick just play about. football yeah. yeah which is incredible no that's cool well we go from i suppose the the implausible to the people that have been there and done it for ages the, the legends of the game if you will and we're going to be probably saying goodbye to a few of them off this tournament right yeah, I think this tournament will be Kylie Lloyd's last tournament. I'm I'm worried to say that because she she could go on. She's, she's just sheep. such a fighter <laughs> that she could. She's 36, but let's be honest, if she wants to, she could probably play the next World Cup as well. But she has said she has said publicly that this is her last tournament, and she's just such a driving force. As are so many of those US players, but she's one that I think everyone's excited to see what she 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 will do. She is not going to start every single game no. it may be coming off the bench but I think if if you're if, if you have memories of the last World Cup and so she scored a hat-trick in the final in, in 16 that, minutes a ridiculous goal from behind that, was I didn't know it was in 16 minutes the ridiculous goal from behind the halfway line is the one that always stands yeah. out and she just looked up and was like off her line go on then ping it <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> it's, wow. it's an incredible wow. goal so it's, it's it's just for moments like that and she's not it's not just her performances in World Cups it's also in, in Olympics which the US team has taken extremely seriously so, so seeing someone like Carly Lloyd in a tournament like this I really saw an interview exciting. with her and she was talking about, because obviously she's expected to be a substitute probably from the start. And she's like, she's not happy about that. She's like, no. I do not want to be on the bench and I'm going to be quite blunt about that. I intend to play every game. <laughs> every minute of yeah. every game. She's having none of it. But also talking of legends, we've got the seventh, is it seventh World Cup for Formiga from Brazil? Yes, which is, is absolutely Seven. incredible. Seven. And, and I How old is she? She's 41. 41? Yeah. Wow. And this level, still playing at this level. She's 41. Is she going to start? I, I'm not entirely uh, I sure, but <laughs> I'm not Seven sure she's going to start insane. every single game. But I just think just her being there is absolutely incredible. Yeah, ridiculous. I don't yeah. think 25 any... year career. How many ca- yeah, how I'm many trying to figure out how old she was like... at the first one. Yeah. Well, it's my math is terrible. So seven, obviously, times four, but you take one off yeah. for the, the time span. I'm terrible so, at maths. Yeah, it's 24, 25 years. She's 41. So that just means she went for her first World Cup when she was 16. It, she was, she which was is young. Happens. Pretty mental. Happens, yeah. That's mad. From 16 to 41, she's playing in World Cups. That's a life in football. That's a proper life. 160 caps. 160 international caps. That's mad. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to play international football for 106 years, that's how many caps you get. <laughs> <laughs> Just that span, though. That's incredible. Carly Lloyd's got more caps than that, hasn't she? Carly yeah, Lloyd. she does. 274. That's four. insane. That's like a club. Goals. That's a club career. Not. A, that's not an international career. Yeah, that is a. Yeah, that yeah. is a mad. Carly Lloyd herself is a machine, and incredible. Imagine in her own that right. experience. But for me, goes. Yeah. Just it's seven. Just, it's just different, different gravy, Completely I guess, is, is the only word I can do. But you were saying, like, obviously she doesn't want to be off the bench. But, you know, having that experience and quality come off the bench for you is such a 
you know, imagine the kind of lift you get. We're like, oh, it's fine, we'll bring Carly Lloyd on for the last 20. And they're like, really? <laughs> really? She's got a hat trick in the last workout final. You're going to bring her on for the last 20. It's like you and Sam struggling with a pod and then bringing me in for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> Just needed that experience to make it a good episode. That wasn't the, that wasn't the analogy I was going oh, to go sorry, with. Oh, sorry. Nothing but like I'll that. take it. Almost I'll take it. Like that. Jojo, let's go on to the last one. And, and this is a big one, I guess, in that the best player in the world, according to the Ballon d'Or, isn't there. Yeah, it is a shame and it is shocking. So Ada Hagerberg will not be playing for Norway in this tournament. And it's it's not a shock in the sense that she hasn't played for Norway for some years now, for a couple of years. And it's disappointing that she's not there, but she obviously has her voice and she wants to use it to say that she doesn't think that women's football is looked at and has the same professionalism in Norway as it does with men's football. So that's her, that's her that's right. Her platform, but surely yeah. she is... can put it on the map by playing... I think there is a there there is a lot of discussion of whether it's yeah, right or wrong. Yeah, I don't know wrong. if I agree with this. I point. think the surprising thing is that so the US women's team filed a suit so that they could have equal pay, and the whole team did it, got a result, and I think it was fair enough. I think with Ada, the strange thing is that it's it's just her and no one else has has come out in support of that. So it is, it's quite surprising. Were Norway not the first nation to come out they were the first. and do equal pay for women's so, men's team? Yeah, so so they were the first. And that was, short, that was after Ada said that she wasn't going to play for them anymore. But I think what I respect about it is that she's saying it's not actually about the money. Yeah, hang on. <laughs> she's so saying it's, it's about the... It's about the professionalism. Yeah, it's, the it's the way that the strategy for women's football in that country. Okay, right. So it is, she's not saying pay us more. But the structure she, and everything else behind it. everything around the, okay, it. Get infrastructure yeah. in place. That makes more make sense to me. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah. I think it's, it's interesting. But I mean, what it does do, and it's, it's obviously desperately sad that the world's best player is missing the World Cup. Yeah. In, in many ways, it's, I suppose, like going to a World Cup and not having Leo Messi there. But... It is of Nearly that happened last it time. Is, it is of that magnitude. Yeah, it's of that magnitude. It's like Argentina <laughs> it really not is. having... Not, yeah, yeah, being there and not having Messi with them. But it's of that magnitude. She's that good. Yes. But it does open up a space for someone else to put their name into the mix. I suppose, one, for next year's Ballon d'Or. But two, for the golden ball, it really opens up that kind of field, doesn't it? It definitely does. And if if you're asking who I, who I would <laughs> who I would say has a, a really good shot at, at being one of the stars of the tournament, it would be Vivian Medima from just the Netherlands. You're an Arsenal fan. And <laughs> I am partly saying that Come because... On. But I've watched her all season. I mean, for Arsenal fans, if you're not watching Vivian or Daniel van der Donk, you should be because if Bamiyang's letting you down, then because everyone else the is letting you even. down. Definitely better yeah, than Arsenal. If, if everyone letting you down then these players are not they've been outstanding and if you didn't know they won they've won the league this season so they are they are at the very top of their game and Vivian she's 22 years old she's gone to 75 caps for her country and she's a goal scoring machine she will definitely feature quite prominently in this tournament. I, I think she's brilliant. And and I could actually pick two other players from the Netherlands do as so, well. Do so, do so. Yeah, so give Le- us names. Lika Martins, who Barcelona. plays for Barcelona. She's also brilliant. And and, Dan- and Daniel van der Donk. She's a midfielder who also plays for Arsenal, but is also should be a star from that team. So they have a very good team. And also they won the Euros. So they, they have that under their belt they have that experience yeah. they've they've gone over the line outside I mean, the Netherlands who, who else outside the Netherlands yeah. is there anyone else clearly the Dutch are going to win this thing I think there's a few players I think you can't look past the US team 
the obvious candidates. I mean, Alex Morgan is one of the most influential and famous forwards in the world. Yeah. When the most influential Times 100 was released, was released it was her and Mo Salah. So that's how much of an influence she has. Mm. But it's not just off the pitch, it's on the pitch. She's an incredible forward. And she's surpassed the 100 goals for her country. So yeah. she's going to be incredible. That one's off her back now. She can just uh, carry, on, yeah. carry on scoring goals. Yeah. <laughs> Any, anyone from England for me to get excited? Yeah, I think Jack wants to throw one in here. Frank Kirby yeah. is, a, is a big name once... Once described as mini Messi by her then manager, Mark Sampson. She has an absolutely ludicrous record as well. She has 71 goals in 126 games for club and country. She has that really like exciting low center of gravity. I mean, she runs with the ball. You're like, something's about to happen. And How tall actually is she? Because she does look small. She's small. Five foot two. She's five foot two. So she's the same height as Jack. (laughs) I knew. I was waiting for that to drop. In fact, she's she's two inches taller than me. She's brilliant. Difficult to judge heights from this height. There's also Lucy Bronze from England. Who plays for Lyon? Who are obviously the reigning continual champions of Europe. Basically, they just own the European Cup in many regards because they're unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's exceptionally good and plays in about eight different positions and is just really useful at all of them. Uh, and Nikita Paris, who's just signed for Lyon from Man City mm. and has scored. An absurd rate this season, basically, hasn't she? In WSL, yeah, Nikita Paris is one of the one of definitely one of the players to watch. She's she's just I love the way she runs with the ball, and and she just makes she's one of those players who has an impact on a game. She's just she's fast. She's she's really good at dribbling, and she can score pretty much any goal that you from like. from anywhere. She's she's really good. So there will be quite a lot of people that haven't watched much women's football and this is a chance for them to watch their first games. How yeah. quickly do you think they could be won over by watching these games? And which team do you think they should watch first if they really want to get into this? I think it, because it's a World Cup, I think you either watch the debutants. So I think you you watch a Jamaica or a Chile just to just because if the story they, involved. The fervour around it. Exactly. And they have the story. If they even score, score, it's going to be an incredible moment. And then also, if you want to see the best of the best, the US team are incredible. They are really good. So Force I think, of nature. yeah. But also what we haven't mentioned is the home team. So France also have a brilliant team. And a team of really experienced players, someone like Eugenie Le Sommer, who also plays for Lyon. Anyone who is very, very good at football seems to play for Lyon. Yeah. So they have a quite a monopoly over European They have a football. decent record, don't they, Lyon? Yeah, they <laughs> do. <laughs> so, and everyone seems to go to Lyon. It's yeah. just one of those teams. It's the equivalent of, of a Real Barcelona, Madrid or a yeah. Barcelona. So it's... I, I would say that you can't not want to watch France. Obviously, they'll have the backing of the home fans. So I would say those those teams. And the Netherlands. And the Netherlands, obviously. <laughs> there we are. There we have it. The, the reasons to be excited for this summer's World Cup. It starts on Friday, right? Yes. We will be back after the break for Bleacher Roulette and the Nonsense Rankings. Thank you. Welcome back to BR Football Ranks. It is that time that you have been waiting for. It's Bleacher Roulette. Sam, spin the wheel. Do it. <laughs> Perfect. When Sam was on holiday, which was last week, who missed him more, Jack or Dean? <laughs> Dean, yeah, you, can, you can start. I mean, who do you think who do you missed you most? I think Jack missed me more because I don't think Dean really likes me anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> Hang on, I did a nonsense ranking about you and was relatively nice. He was quite it, kind it to you. Did you listen to it? it de- yeah, I did, yeah. It definitely wasn't that mean. I just think, I just get the general impression that, like, if we weren't put together in a work environment, you wouldn't choose to hang out with me. No, but of course Jack, I wouldn't. But, yeah, but Jack, Jack, I think, would. Jack's my friend. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He was, we were talking about this last week. He was like, it's no, so not. <laughs> no, we were Stop it. The people that disliked you most were our production team. They were like, so, they were like, it was so easy last week. Yeah, such last a, week. Such was a simple seamless. take. Yeah. We're all the same height as well, me, Dean and Dries. So it was, yeah. we just sort of sat there in a row. Yeah. Um, I think Dean missed you more purely because I think he missed having someone to banter off. Like, yeah. you know, he, he kind of didn't have anyone to just sort of It was weird. I couldn't right. really make much fun of Reese because he's obviously a comedian. So he could <laughs> batter me. Much <laughs> also, he had to do more work in my absence. Absolutely. I absolutely did. did have to do a lot more work. Yeah. Jojo, who do you think? I think? think Jack definitely missed him more. <laughs> yeah. That's Jack, Jack was messaging me about football manager while I was on holiday, you know. Yeah. I did need someone to anyway. back off to see to see He's back. Going. He's yep. back. Anyway. Right, Dean, I'm going to spin for you. Messi or Virgil van Dijk for the Ballon d'Or? From good question. Ben Anderson on Instagram. It is a good question because everyone's talking about this. I keep seeing even van Dijk doesn't want to answer this question, though. Well, he, he literally did answer the question. Did he actually say, though? Yeah, he was like, yeah. give it to Messi. He said, give it Messi. Oh, sorry. I thought he said he didn't want to talk about it from the video. They I don't think he did, and then he got pushed on it. Yeah, he, he got like, pushed, and then he was like, oh... I'll take it if they give it to me. <laughs> He's like, I'd give it Messi. But he more or less said, as long as Messi's playing, give it to Messi. Yeah. That's basically, that's basically yeah. what he said. I mean, as Virgil van Dijk's had a very good season, but wasn't even definitely the best player in the Premier League, so he's definitely not the Ballon d'Or winner. It's Messi. So by the way that the award seems to be given and judged nowadays, I think Van Dyke is in pole position based based on like the previous awards and how it's been decided, i.e. performance in top competition, the fact that he actually won the Champions League, which seems to be the most important thing for Ronaldo nowadays anyway, or okay. in the last few that he's done. And if he wins the Nation League, Nations League, I would be pretty much fully on board the Virgil van Dyke Ballon d'Or train. But if... He, it's still so tough in there because I understand the argument that Messi is the best player in the world. But based on how it's been awarded, I would say that Van Dijk should get mm-hmm. it. JoJo? If Messi wins the Copa America, does that change things? Yeah, absolutely it does. I personally, I don't think it should be a debate. I think as long as Messi's playing, he should be winning it. I, yes. I honestly And it was a farce that... last year, don't forget, when Modric got it. Yes, yeah, especially after last year. But I think the Copa America will be really interesting to see if if he hasn't got the same pressure as the World Cup or if it's even more pressure. He won't. I think Copa it's more. America. I, yeah. I think it is He's more because because it's it's unlikely that he is going to drag Argentina through to win the tournament so I think that'd be really interesting I just I'm such a big Messi fan I just can't I can't can't even even imagine the fact that Van Dyke would win it ahead of him I think I, Van Dyke's been exceptional he has been he's been exceptional He's, he's been but has he been better than Messi? But has he... Uh, no, it's, it's too hard That's to what say. it comes down to. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's impossible it's to compare because they've been completely different Sam's jobs. Sam's right, though. Sam's right. No, Sam is right. Yeah, that's a good point. Messi probably should get it. But in the way that it has been judged, I'm with Sam in that I think that Van Dyke's probably in pole position. I think if Messi gets to a semi-final in the Copa, in Copa. he wins it. That's, that's, I think, the take on it. I think if he gets to a semi, then he's, he's got to the last four in, in a genuinely difficult tournament. You yeah. know, I, I appreciate the Nations League quite, doesn't quite have the significance yet. I think it will do. I, re, I really do. And I, I think it's a, a big competition waiting to happen. But I don't think in its infancy it will be given the same credence yeah. as, say, the Copa America will. So I think Messi getting to a semi would probably just about 
give him the ballon. It's weird, isn't it? The way we sort of tally these things up next to each other. Go, well, if he does this and he gets to this stage, or well, he needs to make at least a semi-final to be in contention for this. This shouldn't be the way it's done. No. Joe, Joe's right. Messi's the best player in the world. Messi should get it. And in, in, that, in that respect, Van Dijk is right as well. But if you're going to stay true to how, how it's, it's been, been awarded to Modric and Ronaldo over the last few years, yeah. the methodology says Van Dijk to me. The, the only thing that Messi has is he has all of the stats this year. No, normally, he has most of the stats. True. He basically has the sweep this yeah. year. He's done the most. And he gave the Champions League a good go. Yeah. He did his best. Yeah. He, he was actually fair. fine at Anfield. Yeah. Yeah. Created, Everyone else just messed up. Yeah. He created yeah. three one on ones for I his think teammates. if they just scored that fourth goal against over, Liverpool, it? it was over and they would have won the Champions League. Yeah. So all he right. did all he could. Which rank squad member would cope best? In a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I'm going to ask Joanna to start here. Yeah. I think that would be the sensible thing to do. Shall I be diplomatic or not? No, no, no. Um, be honest. No, be honest. I... Rank us. Who would... Rank Shall us. I rank you? Yeah, three, two, one. Oh, this, I'm really First sorry. Okay, Sam, I'm First really to... sorry, but I think you'd be number three. I'm, I'm, I'm I think you would be... I'm the strongest, the quickest and the cleverest. No, I, I, I just I mean, don't think... Things. I just can't see you surviving that why I t- because it's also because of your frame like if because there's, an, if there's, a, if on, there's an apocalypse like you're gonna struggle to to move about and, and st- if there's not much food in yeah. you'd be hiding store, under the bed and your feet you, would be you need a lot of you, I'd be out there with taller, a baseball so you bat need more energy slaying. I think you would I feel like you'd struggle Man. And who you'd have no football to talk about. I feel like this <laughs> that's is your a problem. That's a problem. Yeah, I think depends no who else survives, right? Well, that's true. But if you, I think if you're the only person to survive, I think you'd really, really struggle. I think we'd all struggle because we'd all have no one to talk to. Yeah, that would be annoying. Yeah. Right. That's that's what I, I think. On, I think number two is close. So I think Dean would probably be number two. Not Just, <laughs> I think it. I think Dean's Dean too would, lazy to survive. I think Dean would, yeah, would enjoy like the challenge of the first half of it, and then and then and My then once it stopped getting funny, yeah, I think you'd you'd it would try to make a like, few. What is I think. Point of this? <laughs> I think yeah, you'd make a few jokes and be like, oh, "It's quite funny actually." Like play with the zombies if you could. So. And then eventually, I think I think it would just just your enthusiasm would waver. I think I think Jack would find really inventive ways to survive so you can't you can't he'll invent poetry in his head you can't lull a zombie into a false sense of security with a a 140 second poem and hope to get away with it i think he could you've not met enough zombies i think i don't know what the what the solution would be but i think he'd find the the most oddest innovative way of surviving that situation it would probably be like reciting a poem to one of the zombies I would compare myself to a cockroach you know I'm extremely malleable in surviving things that I shouldn't survive <laughs> um, and there Cockroach. you have this week's yeah this week's best analogy in Jeez. one go That's Sam not... I want to hear why you think you'd survive I already listed it off well you thought you were strongest Strong... quickest and fastest by far the strongest you by are far probably the quickest. strongest you're definitely not the quickest I'm definitely, definitely, I'm definitely fastest over a long distance I'm definitely more intelligent than both of you combined. <laughs> I literally ran 10k in 48 minutes last week. I would absolutely outpace you on a distance run. <laughs> oh no, it depends how far. I'm talking about 100 meters. That's not a distance. over a distance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a long, it's a long distance. It's 100, 100, 110. I mean, just to make you feel better, I probably would survive 
much much less than you. <laughs> I think I think Dean would get would actually suck would just suck it in really fast. He'd be like, "This looks very difficult. It's not for me." Yeah, I just, just walk I mean, out into the mass and go, "I'm out." Yeah, <laughs> I've watched and then, a lot of and Walking then Jack Dead. And I would have to then sort of figure things out. I've not watched yeah. The Walking Dead, and it wasn't for me. Like I've, I think we'd have a good Our go. Maybe three, bothered. Though. It's the same strategy. Would be quite strong every day. Same struggles. <laughs> 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 Give me some light in the tunnel. Yeah. This is more and more and more. Yeah, soon. there's no light, is there? No, All right, it's relentless. Right. That's what's, that, what's that? It's the apocalypse. No, it's, it's the nonsense. It's a tornado warning. That yeah. um, it's the nonsense. It's the nonsense siren. siren. Uh, I mean, nonsense o'clock. I missed it. I really missed it. No, I think I bet you did. I, yeah. mean, I enjoyed good. doing it, but it really did. it was probably the most time I spent on any piece of work since I started a Bleacher Report. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, I was in my hotel room on holiday, just ranking things in the room. Like, Lamp curtains. <laughs> I just couldn't stop. I just had to do something. So uh, yeah, poor Rach. Well, I'm looking forward to this then. Right. Come well, on then. So uh, it's actually in honour of something that's happened very recently, and you'll you'll see why soon. Uh, I've ranked my top three forests. So, with okay. apologies to Forrest Gump, who I find really annoying, uh, we start at number three, which is Nottingham Forest, right? Which is a football club. The football club or the forest? There is also a forest. The club. football club. Um, more Champions Leagues than Chelsea, Arsenal, and Manchester City combined. For those of those, for those of you that just don't know, a historic club, a genuinely historic club that's stuck in the Championship. And I just feel like most people just don't really have anything to hate about Nottingham Forest outside of Derby fans. Like they're quite nice. Like how many clubs in England can you just be like, they're quite nice? Not many. Like, there are like usually you hate something about one of the teams. But if Forest is just very little to hate. Yeah. So fair play to them. Yeah, uh, quite a nice and take. In at number two is the Forest Gatto, which is the multi-layered chocolate and whipped cream is cake. It Black Forest Gatto. Forest Gatto, whatever you like. Same. Um, the original version, soaked in cherry liqueur, makes it very boozy, which lifts it into number two. Uh, which means it's actually better than an entire football club. <laughs> that is quite a take, to be uh, fair. Sorry, Nottingham Forest. I do like Black Forest Gatto. And, the t- and then at number one is the Black Forest itself, which is where the Forest Gatto originates from. But more importantly, is the birthplace of Jurgen Klopp. Hmm. Oh. Jurgen Klopp, again, like Nottingham Forest, just like, I think you'd find it really hard to dislike him, even if you don't support the team that he manages. He's just so goofy, so nice, He's so emphatic. Norbert. Yeah, that's his father's name as well. So he's named after his father. Um, so along with you know, Black Forest, like incredible scenery, you've got spas, you've got cycling stuff to do. It's like a really active adventure. It's a really nice area. Freiburg is the, is, is the been? city. Nope. Um, <laughs> but the best thing to come from the Black Forest is Jürgen Klopp. Okay. Mm. All right. And the Black Forest is the best forest of all. Right, okay. New Forest would have a lot to say about that. Yeah, that's New Forest podcast. is furious. New, New Forest, Forest sucks. In, in the south of England is great. Um, and also Forest Gump. I think you've done that a disservice. Also just rubbish. James Forest plays wing for Celtic. Uh, scored a fair bit of goals. Plays for Scotland national team. Uh, good player. Good yeah. player. He is, might he top, is he a top three Forest? Probably, yeah. Do you think so? Yeah, I'd have him in there. You'd have him over the football club? I think I'd have him over the cake, to be honest. What? Yeah. <laughs> I would have had Nottingham Forest as one, probably. How does a ghetto come out of a forest, anyway? Oh, it's just like where they develop the recipe, innit? Really? Seems like a weird place to develop the, the, a cake. The Black Forest ghetto is from the Black Forest. That's like... They chopped down a tree and made a cake. Did you say that Forest Gump is rubbish? Oh, he's annoying. That's a bad take. He's really annoying. He's just one of the nicest man. blokes I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Dean met him behind the goal. <laughs> <laughs> we were at the 1986 <laughs> FA Cup final together. I should I should have ruled him out on account of being fictitious rather than anything else. Thank you, I think, Sam, for, for that. Mm. Uh, I think we should probably cut it there before we go into a really deep dive on every forest in the world. <laughs> no one necessarily wants us. That is us all wrapped for this week. And all that is left for me to do is to say thank you to these three, to Dean Jones. You're welcome. To Sam Tai. Thank you. And to the wonderful Joanna Cameron, who making debut, a brilliant debut. My yeah, great debut, Jojo. Our very own, one of the lads at BR Football, Joe. That's me. Thank you to all of you for listening. Remember to get involved with the pod or using the hashtag BRFootballRanks. Get the three of us on Instagram. Questions for hot takes and roulette, all of those things. Send them to any of us, really. They'll, they'll get in there eventually. Uh, and if you haven't already, please make sure you have downloaded the BR app for the best sports and culture content in the business. There are exclusive Rank Squad bits coming on it soon. Big summer ahead, boys, no? Such a big summer. I'm going so, to the Black Forest. You're going to the Black Forest, but that's not going on the app. But everything else probably will. Please keep sharing the pod with your friends and family and anyone else that likes football. And just enjoy your summers, basically. There's so much great football on. You know, the Women's World Cup starts on Friday. There's a Copper America. There's we'll a be here every Cup. week. We'll be here every week giving you the best of it. Please stay with us. We'll see you next week, Rank Squad. Take care.